When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Simon Hill, host of the Global Game, 9pm tonight across the SEN network. Simon, great to have you on the program. Thanks for coming back. Pleasure, Dwayne. How are you, mate? I'm great. I'm great. And it's good to talk to you about something that has been something you've been talking about for a long, long time. And it sounds like you're finally getting it up. The second division, well, 32 teams won in as part of a promotion relegation system. You've been saying for a long time that Australian football needs... And it looks like it's coming, and it's coming soon. Well, yeah, I'm not sure about the promotion relegation bit just yet, but uh, certainly the National Second Division is coming. Uh, 2024 is the slated start date. Uh, Expressions of interest uh, for all the clubs closed on Monday, and there was a healthy take-up of uh, that request. 32 clubs, uh, most of them from the NPL system, one or two new entities, um, and now they move on to the next stage. Uh, and I guess, you know, that's when we'll get to the nitty gritty of the finances, which, you know, are always the difficult bits uh, in a country the size of Australia uh, to find out whether it can be viable, what it's going to look like, who's going to be in it, how they decide that. Uh, so there's a lot of work still to be done. But, um, you know, we're, we're moving incrementally towards the, the introduction of, of that second tier in 2024. And it is something that the game needs in this country. Um, you know, obviously, the ultimate game is promotion or relegation. Uh, there's a few hoops to jump through before we get to that stage. If you can relegate teams, you've got to have somewhere viable for them to go. So it's uh, incumbent upon this uh, new league to, to work. And uh, you know, then hopefully, at some point down the track, we'll, we'll have a system like they have in the rest of the world. And our, our football, in my opinion, will be a lot better for it. So how will they decide it? Obviously, the financial situation is going to be huge, but we've got some great traditional clubs. I know this, you know, in Victoria, you've got Brunswick Juventus, you've got Heidelberg United, South Melbourne. I think Canberra Croatia is a team that's wanting to get in, Marconi. So you've got a lot of clubs that have got links to family history as well, and that's why they support those clubs. How will they decide? It's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously, there's, there's got to be off-field stuff that is right, uh, you know, money in the bank and uh, proper uh, professionalised clubs, uh, which is not just about, you know, putting 11 players out on the pitch uh, at the weekend. It's, it's about having professional structures in place. And I'm not just talking about coaching. I'm talking about media facilities. I'm talking about stadium availability, talking about, you know, proper lighting, if the thing's going to be televised, which, we, you know, we don't know whether that's the case yet. So there's a lot of things that come into play. Uh, in terms of how they decide, I would imagine it will be a mixture of the off-field stuff. And, and also, you, you know, you've got to have some sort of meritocracy in terms of what happens on the pitch. So I see that they put out you know, something saying they've not ruled out uh, an end-of-season sort of Champions League competition at the end of the NPL seasons to you know, decide which teams go up or at least the proportion of them. So... Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm sorry if I sound so vague, but you know, 
Mm. Unfortunately, we, we don't know the specific details as yet. This, this is all uh, a step-by-step process. And, uh, you know, the good thing is we've been talking about this for the best part of four to five years, and uh, it's been very slow progress. Now we're getting to the point where, you know, the talk has to be backed up with action. And, um, you know, we, we'll see which clubs uh, are capable of doing it and, and which aren't. Do you, so one more on it. Do you think membership or fan base should be a parameter? Because there are some clubs that are well followed already and pulling good crowds at the moment. Well, of course. I mean, that, that's all got to be part of it. Um, you know, clubs that, that can attract decent attendances have, have got to be attracted to a national setup. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily tie in with uh, on-field performance. So I think I think it's got to be a balance between the two. Um, I mean, I'll give you one example. Preston Lions, who I think play in is it MPL3 or MPL2, one of the two, in, in Victoria. And, and yet, they're, you know, they're getting terrific crowds and have got good infrastructure. So, you know, they've stuck their hand up. Um, what, what is the greater factor? I, I don't know. That's not, you know, for me to decide. But I, I do think it has to be a balance between the two because clearly, you know, we want a national competition that people go and watch. I mean, that's, I've said on many occasions, even at A-League level, that, that is our missing link. Uh, not, not with every single club, it must be said, but, uh, you know, we, we've got several clubs who struggle for attendances in the top flight. And uh, it's something that at some point needs to be addressed. Uh, and we need to have a national competition that is cons- uh, constituted by... Uh, clubs who have, you know, a lot of supporters because uh, without fans paying their money through the gate and buying the shirts and the merchandise and everything else, uh, you don't have a viable national competition. So it's something that I've banged on about for a long time. Um, People don't necessarily like it when I do, but, you know, that's part of the job of (laughs) of being, unfortunately, one of the voices of the game. Uh, And sometimes you've got to do that. So... You know, I, I hope that this second division, when it gets up and running, is is a success. Um, you know, the last thing we need is uh, a second division that gets up and running and within six months it falls over or half the clubs fall over because it's not financially viable or, you know, they've bitten off more than they can chew. So that's incumbent upon Football Australia to do their due diligence on, on all these clubs and make sure that they... Uh, select the best ones available, and that the size of the league reflects that. If it's only a 10-team league, well, it's only a 10-team league. If it's 16, great, terrific. Um, but it's got to work. And, you know, before people start screaming about promotion and relegation, which I want, by the way, same as everybody else, if you're going to relegate teams, you, you've got to have a place for them to go that they're not just going to collapse overnight. So that's why it's important for that mechanism as well that this national second division works. So the big world story, uh, what's the biggest? It would have been a pretty big story if Arsenal had lost to Bournemouth, which when they went, what, 1-0 down about 65 seconds in, and with, what, 2-0 down at one stage was going to be a story. But I suppose Liverpool's 7-0 thrashing of Man U's ended up being the biggest story. Well, look, I don't know about globally, but it's certainly a big story at the Premier League, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody saw that one coming. Uh you know, United had only just been to Wembley the week before and beat Newcastle to win the Carabao Cup, which was their first trophy in five years. So uh, to go to the home of their biggest rivals um, and get absolutely walloped, I, I think was a head-scratcher for a lot of people, whether there was a hangover, they'd, they'd played two big games in a week, not just the Cup final, but they'd also played an FA Cup tie against West Ham as well. So 
you know, I don't know if tiredness was a factor, but, uh, you know, certainly it's, it was a result that made a lot of people sit up and take notice and, and you know, take nothing away from Liverpool in that second half in particular. They were outstanding. Uh, but United capitulated. And, you know, I see already that there is uh, talk today that Bruno Fernandes should never captain the team again. There's question marks about his attitude and uh, his petulance and uh, refusal to, you know, work and, and do the basics that you need uh, when you're playing a top-level team. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to that. Um, it's virtually the end of their Premier League title hopes as well, which are pretty slim in the first place. But, uh, yeah, there's no way they're going to win the Premier League from, from where they are now. Uh, neither are Liverpool, to be fair. But, um, you know, they will hope from their point of view it's it's the start of a, a bit of a revival because they've had a, a very disappointing season by their recent standards. And I did notice there were a couple of stories that are similar to my, our little sport here in Australia where fans don't really like it when their players are laughing and hugging opposition players straight after a, a horrific yeah. loss. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, in England in particular, when you lose to your biggest rivals, uh, and Manchester United Liverpool is arguably the biggest fixture in the country, you don't want to see your players laughing and joking. You know, it should hurt. Um, and you should want to get off that pitch as quickly as possible and certainly not be exchanging jokes with the opposition players. So it's, you know, look, it happens, but I don't think it's something that as supporters and very passionate supporters, and a lot of United fans are, um, you know, they, they want to see that the players are hurting as much as they are on the back of uh, a result like that. So yeah, it's, it's a very interesting, you know, couple of days for United. So as I say, that they've come off this massive high of winning a trophy and everybody was talking about, you know, the, what are they going to do? The next step, are they going to challenge with the Premier League? Are United back? And, and now all of a sudden they've, uh, they've reverted to the sort of result that they were getting at the start of the season. And um, it shows that perhaps they're, they're not quite there yet to be a, you know, a really top contender. And a couple of big A-League games coming up. Well, I suppose they're all big in their own right. But Western United get a chance to continue their climb, given that victory of bottom and not going all that far the way they're going at the moment. Melbourne City also with Brisbane Law, who are third last. So Melbourne City can bounce back after last week. Yeah, these are two big games uh, for all three Melbourne clubs, really. Uh, You know, Western United and Melbourne victory are well outside the top six. Victory in particular... I mean, their whole season has just been a total mystery. Uh, and they played very well against Sydney FC at the weekends and ended up losing 1-0. Sydney had one shot on target. Uh, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes when you're down at the bottom. But, uh, I mean, victory, I think, have got to win. How many games have they got left? I think it's eight games. I reckon they've got to win seven of those to, to get into the finals, which on current form, you just can't see happening. Mm. But... You know, they've got to try. And it, it starts this weekend against Western United, who are equally desperate in a slightly better position, but not by much, the reigning champions. Uh, and City, for their part, have started to concede an awful lot of goals, which, again, is something that they were, you know, very good at guarding against for, for most of the season. Uh, Brisbane are, are not in great form at the moment. They lost again to MacArthur at the weekend. So you'd fancy City to bounce back. Um, and, of course, they're, they're looking for a third consecutive premiership, which uh, would, well, it would be history in the making in, in A-League terms if they did that. They've still got a comfortable lead at the top, but, um, yeah, just need a little uh, reset, I think, City. But the other two, are, yeah, it's desperation. It's a desperation derby. There you go.
I like it. Simon Hill, host of the Global Game, 9pm tonight across the SEN network. Uh, what's on the show tonight, Simon, before you, you depart? Uh, well, we will be talking about the uh, the second division. We've got Robbie Cryam coming on, who's the chair of the bid of Brisbane United, which is um, an amalgamation of three clubs in Queensland, a rather mm. uh, different approach from, from that particular entity. They're called Brisbane United, uh, and they're looking to sort of unite all the grassroots clubs in Brisbane. So we'll be having a good chat to Robbie. Uh, we've also got Thomas Love Merchela on the Western Sydney Wanderers defender. They're going really well at the moment. Big win over the Mariners at the weekend. And uh, all our usuals, uh, Spencer Pryor on Premier League, uh, Alicia Carnavas will be talking about the points deduction for Canberra United for uh, introducing a fourth substitute, which is interesting. Mm. Um, you get a points deduction for putting on a fourth sub, but not for a pitch invasion, apparently. So <laughs> <laughs> whether that's right or not, we'll ask Alicia and Paul Williams with Football Asia. So another busy show. Great stuff, Simon. Always great to have you on this program.